Welcome, everyone, to episode 62 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. For those of you who are unaware, I am Patrick Rahal. They call me Patsy the Angry Nerd and a lot of other things that uh, I'm not really going to go into right now. <laughs> I am joined, as always, by the Giggle Queen, the Ironborn, the Lady of Comic-Cons and Warden of Geekdom. That's right, Agent Nicole. Let's see, what can I add to your list of names? Pain in the ass, the pun master. I already... It's, those are old. Oh, wow. Vetoing my names for you, huh? Well, you always call me a pain in the ass, so that's not anything new. If you've never heard the show before, you would know that. But if you have heard the show, at least once. Because it's once. someone's first time listening to yeah. us. But I'm just saying, you know, something new. Uh, we have also the Mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania. That's right. It is Ashes Von Nightmare. Hi. <laughs> Not today. I wish. I had to go to work. I know, right? Uh, and we are, of course, as always, the only uh, member of the uh, of the crew here to have been on every single episode. Our producer, the man with the velvet voice and the bootylicious tramp stamp, is Johnny Wolfenstein. I, don't, I have no idea how this tramp stamp thing ever came to be. I don't have any tattoos. Well, are you just like staring at his butt or something? Like, where is this? I, how like, can I not? <laughs> that's true. You are facing it. You guys know what a tramp stamp is, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I plan so. on getting one on my 40th birthday. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I t- I, 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 are you going to get a dinosaur above your tar pit? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was thinking of getting brass knuckles saying bitches get stitches. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> this is true. This isn't the first time she's brought that up. Yeah, I just I, I I know it's kind of overdone at this point. The tramp stamp. You could bring it back in style, but um, it's something that I drunkenly told someone when I was like, I don't know, in my super early early twenties. Like when mm-hmm. I'm forty, I'm gonna get a tramp stamp, and it's something that's just stayed with me. Like when I'm forty, I want to get a tramp stamp. A tramp stamp would stay with you, right? Yeah. So today, I want to be a cougar. Okay. Yeah, you would. You'd be rocking. Right? You would rock it. Tramp stamp, six-inch heels, leopard print leggings. Rawr. Beehive hair. Kitty wants some candy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... I think I'll change my name, too. I'll change my name to Kitty. That's a cougar name, right? You'd be the next, um... Peggy Bundy. <gasps> oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, but instead of red hair, I'll have like the big pink, pink bouffant. Yes. Yes. So, today on the show, we I'll are trade Patrick in for two 18 uh, year olds. <laughs> That's what I told her. I said the best thing about turning 36 is I can date someone half my age. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about... Not that anybody half his uh, age would want to. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones, da, also known da, da, as da, Henry da, Jones Jr. So, as many folks are aware... You guys want to run the show instead? We, hey, I don't. I know Carney would enjoy it. All right, well, let me you know finish your sentence here before you. Do I the thought it was. Song. I thought it was my job to be entertaining, so I am sitting here entertaining <laughs> everyone. <laughs> so doing my job. How does it feel to be cut off? It. I'm not. How being does it cut feel? Off. Yes, you are. Yeah. So, anyways, how does it feel? What we're doing is. How does it feel? Do you guys want to do it? Or do you want me to do it? 
I'll do it if you want me to do it. Or do you guys want to do it? Aw, you're so cute when you're angry. I'm not angry. Do you want? Do you, uh, you seem like you guys got a lot face. to say. So if you guys want to do it, you can go right ahead. Well, that's the point of a podcast, though, right? Talking? Because it's not like they can see us. Right, but, you know, we've, we've got to, you know... You want to keep this under a certain time limit, and I'm trying to keep it under a certain time limit for you, right? Nicole's just drinking coffee. She's going to be wired up in about five minutes. So, do you want to get into what we're doing today? Okay, what are we doing today? All right, so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones, star of three good movies and another movie. Um, he is the titular character. He is a creation of uh, of uh, George and Steve, uh, Lucas and Spielberg, respectively. And he is a, a very... Uh, I would say uh, an, an atypical archaeologist. He is not your usual archaeologist. I think that's fair to say. And as uh, a lot He's of... He's a sexy archaeologist. Damn right. Uh, archaeologists do it in the dirt. And chicks dig archaeologists. So... Hmm. And say Harrison Ford could discover me any day. <laughs> Ayo! So, yeah, as, as uh, many folks know, even if you haven't seen the films, uh, he is portrayed by... Uh, Harrison Ford, who also portrays another iconic uh, Spielberg-Lucas conglomeration. Uh, that's not the word I want. Uh, well, a, a George Lucas creation. Uh, you might might have heard of him, Han Solo. So what you're saying is Harrison Ford has had a horrible career and is probably broke somewhere. Yeah, yeah right. Just, is that what you're saying? Just with those those two uh, franchises, like he's just you know hard, having a hard time getting work. So, uh, but what some folks may not know is that there is a fan theory going around that Indiana Jones is just basically the coma fantasy of Han Solo when he's trapped in carbonite. So we thought we'd uh, start the show off with uh, some other characters that we believe could be having a coma fantasy or a dream fantasy uh, in the same vein as you know Harrison for, uh, Han Solo imagining the adventures of Indiana Jones, which is why you see so many Star Wars references like in the second film. I know uh, you were watching this earlier today, Agent Nicole. What's the name of the club where he's hanging out? Club Obi-Wan. That's right. And who does he hang out with? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, that's, you know, one of the first people Han Solo meets in the, in the film. So, and then there's, you know, obviously the, uh, the well-known, but also not so well-known, if that makes any sense. The, uh, in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, there are two hieroglyphics that look exactly like C-3PO and R2-D2, which have no business being in uh, an ancient Egyptian tomb that's uh, housing the the uh, Ark of the Covenant. So there's a, there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of... Uh, we, won't, we won't get too deep into it, but instead we'd like to give you some of our own uh, crossovers, so to speak, of two characters played by the same actor, but that actor uh, or that character could be you know, incapacitated anyway. Maybe it's a drug trip. Maybe he's unconscious. Maybe he's dreaming. Maybe it's drug-induced. But that character imagining the adventures of another character. Nicole, you have you have a couple. Well, why don't you give us one? Um, I got one that's like a three-way. So Ooh. 
I know. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. You start off in Inception when he plays Cobb, who obviously goes and interprets dreams. So he dreams that he is Jack from Titanic. And then Jack is dying on the raft and starts to drown, and he goes and becomes the great Gatsby as Jay Gatsby. Ooh. The re. So Boom. I had one. Uh, it was actually the first thing that I thought of. Uh, Chris Evans plays Captain America. And at the end of the first Captain America, uh, and as in the comics, uh, he ends up frozen in ice for 70-odd years. And so in his dreams, he is Curtis Everett from the film Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about you know people trapped in a, a specific environment, surrounded by snow and ice. Unable to escape, and uh, you know sacrifices must be made for the good of everyone else, and that's kind of what Captain America's all about. Mm-hmm. Ashes, uh, what do you have? Okay, so mine might be a little bit of a stretch, but the first thing when Patsy explained this to me and explained that this is what we're going to be talking about, the first thing I thought of was Patrick Swayze, because. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy for the Swayze. But anyways, um, so I was trying to think of, like, because Patrick Swayze has had some really awesome, very uh, variety of roles, you say. So I thought, because apparently sometimes when you die, you can have, like, dreamlike sequence, like a a dreamlike sequence, or you fall into, like, a dreamlike state in the process of of dying, and you can have, you know, it's like some people say that, you know, your life flashes before your eyes, Mm -hmm. but you could probably also, like, envision something else, right? Mm -hmm. So his character in Ghost dies. Yeah. And then comes back as a ghost, and you know, does like, pottery right? Yeah, well, yeah, does pottery <laughs> with Demi Moore and inhabits uh, Whoopi Goldberg. But aside from that, what if? Now, just follow me here, okay? What if when his character was in the process of dying, he dreamt of Tu Wong Fu? Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> <laughs> that seems that seems accurate. right. That seems yeah. like what if he had like a like I'm I'm dying I'm losing blood I'm completely losing all touch of reality. Oh my god, I'm in drag with Wesley so Snipes he's and his time of his life, John Leguizamo, like right and and fucking soccer Channing's there mm-hmm. and um, I love soccer Gwyneth Channing. Paltrow's mom with Blythe Danner. She's yeah. there. I was um, gonna say Blake Lively. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> She looks good for her age then. <laughs> but right? Like how fun would that be? Like and, and then like but he died. But then like he was a ghost, so he's able to tell like Whoopi Goldberg all about this dream that he had. And he's like, Whoopi Goldberg You need to make this into a movie. And she's like, What you talking about, fool? <laughs> it was a horrible Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah. Nicole, you got any more? I have plenty. Um, I have another Let's one. Let's just do one more, yeah. Uh, Robert Car- Carlyle. Um, Carlyle. He's in Train Spotting as Baggy and B. Copy but- in mine. And oh, is that the one that you wanted to do? Well, no, I was just doing. I'm doing Train Spotting. Oh, and he is currently on a television show called Once Upon a Time as Mr. Gold slash Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. So all that drugs that he's taking, he's thinking, oh. I'm going to go into this world where I am so-and-so as Mr. Gold, the villain of the first, like, first season. And then he has flashbacks of being Rumpelstiltskin. 
entwining gold. And so, yeah, another three-way right there. So I had uh, I had also uh, two from Train Spotting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one would be Ewan McGregor, who plays uh, Renton. Mm-hmm. Who just gets so ripped out of his mind on heroin he thinks he's Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and uh, same for uh, Ewan Bremner's character, Spud, who gets so ripped out of his mind he thinks he's fighting in World War One with Wonder Woman. Yep. That's good. I like those. Ashes, did you have another one? Well, I had one that you had mentioned earlier and I kind of elaborated on. Okay. So you said that Mila Jovovich's character in Days and Confused. Yep got so fucking ripped and stoned out of her goddamn mind that she thought herself as in the Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, 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 no. No, if she's going to get stoned and just completely bonkers, she's going to imagine herself as Lilu in The Fifth Element. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I like, like that. Like, that's a stoner dream right there. Yeah. Yeah, that seems, that seems accurate. You know, especially with, uh, you know, you got Gary Oldman running around with a ridiculous accent as he likes Lilo to do. Lilo Dallas Multipass. <laughs> somebody had to be high to think of that. Come on now. Yeah. Well, it's Luke Besson. So. So. I think that's going to be uh, that's going to do it for our opening segment. We're going to go ahead. We're going to head to a break. And then we come back. We'll give you some uh, background on uh, Henry Jones Jr., where he came from, who he is, what he does. And. Uh, And uh, hopefully afterwards you'll be a little more educated for it. So, Wolfie, if you please. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and trick-or-treat radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This uh, podcast is now banned in Germany. It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci. Deuce bad hanks. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Fire. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and punchfarm.com. Keep on punching! <laughs>
And we're back. Hope everyone didn't miss us too much. We weren't gone that long. So we have returned, and you know we're glad you're still here. So if you're still here, you must want to know a little more uh, about Indiana Jones or Henry Jones Jr. Uh, as his his uh, his given name. So we'll start off with you know the way we usually start off with these types of characters. Uh, Agent Nicole, when was the first time you got uh, a chance to check out an Indiana Jones film? Um, I don't know when exactly. I was pretty little. Um, my godfather was babysitting me at the time. And I remember watching, I think it was Temple of Doom because of the opening sequence was just very mesmerizing. And for me as a child who enjoyed musicals and classic openings like that it kind of just was like oh okay i'll watch this i'm digging it and then i see harrison ford and i'm little nicole's like oh he's handsome i gotta like him so temple of doom was probably my first exposure and i was probably about four or five how about you there ashes so i don't really remember like my first experience Exposure to it. My dad was a fan. Um, so I know that I had seen like bits and pieces of different movies and stuff, but I don't know if it ever, I don't know if it ever really interested me at a young age. I mean, obviously, I'm like, oh, that's the dude who plays Han Solo. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he's, he's really cute, but like that's kind of where that interest ended. Um, until recently within the past what year couple years year year or so um patrick's kind of got frustrated and he was just like okay you have to watch this (laughs) you haven't watched all of them yet no not all of them but what haven't you seen yet i saw the first one okay that's not bad yeah so but i mean like here's the thing and i was telling patrick about this while we were talking about it in the car Indiana Jones is a character that has just been so ingrained in pop culture. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to see him to know that somebody's talking about Indiana Jones or making a reference or something. Like, you hear the music, you see the whip and the fedora or, you know, the the jacket Mm -hmm. or, you know... uh, It's just... It's something that has become so iconic. Mm Mm-hmm. And parodied throughout oh, yeah. so many things. Like, it, it, you can see something. You can be watching, like, Family Guy or The Simpsons. Baseballs. Yeah, exactly. Um, they parody Indiana Jones. And, and you don't have to... You, you don't even have to see the movies to know that they're parodying Indiana Jones. Because yeah. there are certain scenes, you know, like the... Um, the big boulder, boulder scene yeah that has just become so incredibly iconic that like it's almost like just no everybody knows fact what everybody knows their abcs and everybody knows certain scenes from indiana jones mm-hmm. whether you've seen the movies or not so that's yeah. kind of where you know so so minimal minimal exposure when i was younger obviously you know um know a lot of the pop culture references and stuff mm-hmm. and and finally as an adult getting into the movie is where I, I and I've, actually I'm kind of grateful that I'm watching them now mm-hmm. because I feel like I have 
more of an appreciation for them versus if I had watched them in their entirety as a child, I don't think I would have liked it the so much. The attention span, definitely. Well, yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, like, my thing isn't, I appreciate history more now and artifacts mm-hmm. and, you know, the actual kind of, um, we'll just say the history aspects mm-hmm. of, of the movies. I can appreciate them more now versus when I was younger History was my most hated subject. I hated really? it so. Oh yeah, I hated it so fucking much. I thought it was so boring and it was so like <laughs> lacking in creativity because duh, it's history, you know. Um, so yeah, so that's where so that's where I'm at. I am I am discovering it at an older age where I can appreciate it more. I'm so and jealous. God damn, Harrison Ford. I I I know this is just like totally off track, but like. I actually prefer Indiana Jones over Han Solo. I can see that. Yeah, there's a gruffness to Indiana I, Jones. Yeah, I like the gruffness. But, but like, but here's the thing: Indiana Jones as Henry Jones, like he's a professor. He's smart. He's got that yeah. smart thing going too. Like mm-hmm. the glasses and stuff. I mean, I dig it. So for me, the first time I saw one of these movies, I think it was 1991, 92, somewhere in there. I was two. Uh, and it was the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and we were watching it at school. Um, and I was like, "All right, this is pretty good." Like, I enjoyed the chase scenes and everything. So, you know, then in my early twenties, I ended up picking up all the DVDs, which I still have. Uh, I haven't switched over to Blu-ray yet, but maybe somewhere down the road, I'll do that. Um, I just, I really dug. Uh, his character, you know, obviously I liked him as Han Solo. As Star Star Wars is, you know, one of my all time favorite franchises. Um, and you know, getting to see Harrison Ford in a slightly different light. I mean, you look at him and you see this character running around, and there's so much, um, so much that you miss each time you watch it. And then, like, if you're watching it with like a, a different like critical eye, like I watched these back in March. I watched all four of them, and then I watched the first one again today. And seeing it, it's like it's so funny. Where there's a scene where he's packing up for his trip, and he's talking to Marcus, and Marcus is telling him like, "Oh, you know, you know, the the the, the Ark of the Covenant's been lost for so long and like somebody had it and then it disappeared and like maybe man wasn't meant to get it and he's like oh don't tell me you buy into this hocus pocus and mumbo jumbo and all that almost echoing the same lines that he had as Han Solo Mm -hmm. when he first hears about the force Mm -hmm. and then he's like oh you know me I'm a cautious guy and then he takes his gun and throws it across the room into his (laughs) into his uh, suitcase you know so it's like it's like, yeah, I'm cautious. I'm bringing my gun. Now watch as I throw it across the room. Hopefully it's not loaded and doesn't go off and shoot me. But, you know, he's really, like... This is what lends so much credence to the the Han Solo coma fantasy theory. It's because there's so much to him, Mark, where he tries... When he first starts talking to Marion Ravenwood, uh, played by the super cute and adorable... Um, Karen Allen, like she's just so cute in that. She's film. really nice. She's. I haven't had a chance to meet her, but she. Uh, 
you know, he's he's like, oh, I just need this this one thing that your dad had. You know, it's just a piece of junk. You know, it's nothing big. You know, I just I just need it. But I'll give you three thousand dollars for it. And it's like, if it's really not that big of a deal, why are you giving her three thousand dollars? But he's like trying to downplay it, like it's not a big deal, which is what you know the type of thing Han Solo would do. And part of that, like even the music, you know, has a lot of like Star Wars influence because this came out in nineteen eighty one, and the second Star Wars film had just come out, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back. So you have, you know, Star Wars 1977, Empire comes out in 1980, and then this comes out in 1981. Again, lending further credence, because at the end of, uh, a spoiler alert, at the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, Han is frozen in carbonite. And then this is the next thing that, you know, Harrison Ford does. And, you know, it was... Directed by Spielberg, but, you know, George Lucas was a part of it. And Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back, is part of it. And John Williams, who did the music, is part of this movie. So there's a lot of, like, you know, musical intonations um, that, you know, evoke the, the Star Wars films. There's a lot of how indie acts around everybody else. Um that really brings out the, the Star Wars influence in it. Um, you don't see it as much um, in the other films, uh, especially not the fourth one, which we're really, we're really not going to talk about the fourth one other than to say that there is a fourth one. Kingdom like, of it's, the Crystal Horse shit. It, it happened. <laughs> like, I it, really hated it was that one. There... I heard a rumor that there's going to be a fifth one in 2020. Yeah, because, you know, Harrison Ford right now is 75, and you really need 80-year-old Harrison Ford running around, you know, doing Indiana Jones stuff. As long as freaking Shia LaBeouf is not in it, I am okay with that. I really hope he's not. I do not like that guy. I think he's such a shithead. Shia LaBeouf tried really hard to be uh he was a really bad greaser <laughs> he tried to be what's uh rebel without a cause um um Mar- uh james dean yeah he tried really hard between james dean and, and marlon brando yep. like that's who he tried to be remember that disney show even steven yes. where no. he was the little brother yes. like that's all i can th- when i see him like that's all i think can think of I so think i can't take him seriously as an actor because like he's the annoying little brother from even steven yeah i i know him from uh what's that movie holes that he did a couple uh, around that time of even yeah. steven i didn't know him from anything that's probably a good thing <laughs> well now you do you know him from Kingdom of the Crystal I knew him from, from Transformers, which isn't exactly a glowing reference. No. But that's the thing. Like, Harrison Ford went on, like, after he did Empire, then he does Raiders of the Lost Ark, then he does Blade Runner. Like, this is year after year, you know, like, 80, 80 is uh, Empire, 81 is Raiders, 82 is Blade Runner, 83 is Return of the Jedi, 84 comes the second Indiana Jones, so now mm. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And they tried going in a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. They gave uh, they gave him a sidekick named Short Round. Oh my god, I love Short uh, Round. Kihai Kwan from The Goonies is what he's best known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played Data. Uh, this, the Goonies came out after that, a couple years after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was his first film. Uh, 
and the one of the worst characters in the history of cinema, cinema uh, Kate Capshaw's Willie. Oh, oh my she god, really, she sucks so she, much. She's the only thing I don't like about Temple of Doom. Like the it's like, only thing. You have Steven Spielberg directing and Harrison Ford and like this amazing plot and this amazing character and then she just sucks. And the only reason she was in it because she's sucking the dick of the director. Yeah, she was she was married at the time or engaged or there was some sort of relationship. I forget exactly what what it was, but she was uh, she was Steven Spielberg's main lady, so of course she got to be in this. And <sighs> I mean, yeah, it was it was awful. But it did have the iconic reaching under the door to grab his his hat scene, which I really like. Ashes, you got something you want to say? You looks like. Well, I was just wondering when we're gonna get back to like talking about the character because I have stuff. Well, right, we're, we're gonna you know. We started talking about the first one. Then we're going to talk about how he is in the second one. So we're going to talk about the first three. We're not going to... Because throughout the first couple of movies, everyone just refers to him as Indiana, but you don't hear any more about that till the third one. So, obviously, the, the first film, he, he is... Uh, this upstanding member of society, you know, he teaches at a university. He, uh, <coughs> oh, <coughs> sorry. And on his weekends, basically his free time, he goes and hunts treasure. So, what did you have, uh, Ashes? Because I know you have some stuff. Yeah, I did some research. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, no, one of the things that I like about this character is that he's kind of a superhero, but he's not a superhero. Yeah. Like, he kind of um, has, at, like, superhero-like attributes, but at the same time, like, he's just a regular person. Like, he's a professor at a college. He teaches archaeology, but, you know, as kind of like a side job in order to get his kicks, he goes out and he hunts treasure. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's such a cool, like, just a cool storyline in general. Just, you know, kind of one of those, like, you never know what people are doing behind closed doors. Like, he doesn't yeah. even go by, like, his his actual name. He, he goes by Indiana Jones, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, yeah, like, the last name doesn't change, but still... You know, like he creates this whole alter ego for himself. That's that's like how the the you see like the the crazy juxtaposition in the first couple of films where it starts off him on this crazy adventure, you know, battling you know angry natives and and you know death traps, and then like it shows him wearing a nice suit and he's got his glasses on. He's like, yeah, and today we're talking about. Neo means new and lithic means stone. And, you know, he's talking about all the stuff and it's just like, where's the guy that was just swinging from a uh, from a whip over a, a chasm of death outrunning a giant boulder? Yeah, right. So I have a quote from uh, the producer, Frank Marshall, who said that Indy is a fallible character. He makes mistakes and gets hurt. That's the other thing people like. He's real. He, oh, excuse me. He's a real character, not a character with superpowers. Yeah, and yeah. You, you, you see him kind of taking advantage of that when in uh, the first film where he's, he's on the boat and they're trying to head off the Nazis. 
Yep. And they've got the Ark on board. And he's like, oh, you know, every everything hurts because he's been in, like, this huge brawl with, like, a, a German bare-knuckle boxer. Like, he's been shot. Like, he's, he's in all kinds of pain. And Marion's like, well, where doesn't it hurt? And he points to his elbow. He's like, here. So she kisses his elbow. And he's like, and over here. And he keeps pointing to different <laughs> places. And then right when she's about to be like, oh, where else does it hurt? He falls asleep. <laughs> and she's like, oh, we never ca- seem to catch a break, do we, Jones? So, like, that's, and that's definitely, like, you know, you watch a movie with, like, Steven Seagal in it, and, like, he has to have something in his contract where nobody could possibly touch him because he's, like, the greatest martial arts master in the history of the fucking universe, as opposed to Indy, who regularly gets captured, gets the shit punched out of him, you know, he, you know, he takes his lumps, he does, you know, some pretty impressive stuff. Well, not only that, he has to be rescued. There are plenty of times when Indiana Jones would not have made it out alive, but thanks to, you know, the help of his friends or his sidekick or whoever. Sala, Marcus, Short Round. You know, and he also has weaknesses, too. Like, he doesn't like snakes. Oh, my God, snakes. And blondes. uh, He doesn't like blondes? No, that blondes (laughs) are one of his weaknesses. Um, And also... Marion. Marion's one of his weaknesses. There's actually a line from uh, from the fourth Indiana Jones film that I stole and used in my wedding vows. You know, when uh, you know, it's in the fourth film where he's talking to uh, Marion and they're in a tense situation and they're talking about like all these other, other girls that he's, he'd been with after her. And he's like, they all had the same problem. She goes, yeah, what was that? He goes, they weren't you. Aww. And I, I used that in my wedding vows. So so some good came out of the fourth Indiana Jones film. <laughs> good for who? <laughs> Listen, you get to. <laughs> so, you know, the second film we see, you know, a little bit more of uh, Indy's fallibility. Like, and we also see him willing to sacrifice himself um, for the good of the many, you know, mm-hmm. Spock-like. You know, he, uh, you know, he does what he can to keep Short Round from being hurt. And then, in what may be the best second sequel in any film franchise, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I, I know earlier I was like, oh, I really like Temple of Doom is like my favorite. And then I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, the Last Crusade is is probably my favorite. Because we get to see, A, how Indy got a scar. Because, I mean, if you're going to do like an origin story or something like that, yeah. like that's what, like the first time he picks up a whip, he's, he uh, cuts himself open and that's why he has that scar on his yeah. chin, which I think is... Like, that's a nice thing, like, as opposed to having an entire movie dedicated to his origin, which yeah. we don't need. If anyone's listening, we don't need an indie origin story. Doesn't need to happen. You can't Kay. replace River Phoenix as Indiana, young little Indiana Jones. Like, that was just perfect. But um, he, he uh, you know, we get to see more of who he is, you know, like, this belongs in a museum. Like, that's when he... You know, uses that line. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you see where he gets his iconic hat from. Like, mm-hmm. and it's all within like a, a ten fifteen minute 
scene. And you get to really explore his relationship with his father, Senior, or um, played by Sean Connery. Who's only 12 years older than Harrison Ford. Which is crazy. Which is really crazy because you don't really see it, but then it's like, wow. But I really enjoy, and like this goes back to, you know, Indiana Jones being a relatable character. Like, some of like some of us have issues with our own parents, and obviously Indy has an issue with his own father. And one of the be- favorite scenes that I enjoyed was when um, Senior is like calling him Junior, and like who's gonna rescue you? And if you're rescuing me, and then you know Indy shoots down a bunch of Nazis, and he's like, "Stop calling me Junior!" And it's like that, you know, like every kid has that moment where. You know, we all have names and that we like parents do like the whole full name and you don't like being scolded. It's just it has that relatability to it. And it has probably the funniest line in the entire series when, you know, they're captured and they're talking about Marcus and he's like, you know, again, you know, that Han Solo like uh What's the word I'm looking for? I keep wanting to say bravos, but that's not what I'm... <laughs> that's Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, he's just like... He's got that swagger, and he's just like, listen, you know, Mark, you know, Marcus has got a two-day head start, which is more than he needs. He speaks a dozen languages. He knows every local custom. He will blend in with any luck. You know, he's already got the grail. And then it cuts to, to Marcus, and he's walking around. Like, Does anybody speak English? Uh, I have no idea where I am. And it's so funny. Denholm Elliott is so fucking perfect. And he just happens to run into John Reese Davies, mm-hmm. which, you know, was, you know, Indy's friend from the first, first film. I mean, if I could change anything from the first film, it would be uh, just one thing. When uh, they have the poison dates. Yep. And John Reese Davies, you know, catches the date that Indy's going to throw in, you know, catch into his mouth because he, he saw that the monkey ate them and the monkey died. And he goes, bad dates. He should have said expiration dates. Like, that would have been the best thing. If he had called them expiration dates, that, that would have been the one change that I would make to that movie. Because uh, it did, that does have, you know, and if you've ever seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One of the best practical effects in the history of cinema. Plus, anytime you get to see a Nazi's face melt, you know, it's, it's a bonus. Glorious. Oh my god, that part was so cool. With the angels of... Uh, yeah, the the, oh, the spirits in the so ark. That was so cool. Just wait until the second movie. You'll enjoy the <laughs> practical effects in that one, too. But yeah, so Indy, Indy's a guy who, you know, like everyone else, is uh, as much as he's his own character and goes on his own adventures he's still stuck in the shadow of trying to impress his dad and nothing he ever did was good enough mm-hmm. you know like he goes he breaks into the room that the nazis are holding his dad and he tries to save him and his dad smashes a, a vase over his head he's like oh this is a shame he's like oh it's okay you know he's like oh no it's okay see look it's a fake and he's like yeah i'm fine too you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's when you find out where the name Indiana came from. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Indiana was their dog's name. Puppy! He really liked the dog. His name is actually Henry Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. Henry Walton Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes by Indiana because he loves the dog. Now, there's a story to that. That's actually George Lucas's dog. And 
Indiana Jones is not the only character based on his dog. Also, Chewbacca. The look of Chewbacca was based on Indiana, George Lucas's dog. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool, the way they throw that in. It's kind of like a meta joke before meta jokes were really a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a wink to the audience. Like, Indiana was a dog's name. I really like that dog. And, of course, John Reese, you are named after the dog? Starts <laughs> making fun of him. Because everybody just thought it was just like a cool name. Yeah, it's uh, you definitely get to see um, with his character, like, um, where he, like, a steady progression over time. You know, you get to see him on his own. You get to see, like, what his true motivation is, which is, you know, finding these these ancient relics and you know, putting them into a museum. Like, they really want to put the Ark of the Covenant into a museum. Like, that's his whole thing. You know, the the Holy Grail, he wants to put that into a, a museum. You know, or in the second one, where you're trying to return the stones back to the, uh, back to the native tribe. And see, the, th- the only thing that really bothers me about Indiana Jones is every single goddamn time, they're like, oh, this is what we've got. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. It's like, all right, first of all, you found the literal Ark of the Covenant. Like, you saw it, like, well, he closed his eyes, but it's like, it killed, like, 50 Nazis for you. Like, you saw the literal Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Like, then the second movie happens, and, like, they see all this stuff. And then the third movie, like, you found the literal Holy Grail. Like, you found a Templar knight that was 600 years old. Like, you poured water on your dad and his bullet wound healed. Like, why are you skeptical about anything ever at any time now? Like, you need to stop this. But every time, he's always like, ah, that's just crazy mumbo-jumbo, and I'm a grumpy old man. You know? So, how would you, Nicole, rank the four films? I know the fourth one is at the bottom. Yeah, um, I would say now that I thought about it a little bit more, um, probably one of my ep- I know like I'll this I'll explain why. Um, the more that I thought about it today, as we were talking and researching, the first one would be the Last Crusade. Actually, one of my absolute favorite parts is in that film, and it's where um, Indy his dad they're in like the blimp and. In some, there's a Nazi officer walking around showing a picture, and he gets to Indy's dad. And Indy is being kind of like a ticket holder kind of guy, going around asking for tickets. Yeah, he's he's posing as a steward on yeah. the ship. And so then the Nazi officer turns around, knows it's Indiana Jones, and so basically Indiana Jones knocks the shit out of him, basically toss him out of the blimp, and he's like, "No tickets!" And everybody's like putting their tickets up in the air, like, "I don't want to get caught, get yeah, caught, he, and get kicked he, out." Uh, when he when we say he threw him out of the blimp, like the blimp was still on the ground, and he landed on the luggage. He didn't like straight up murder the guy. <laughs> he should have. And like everyone's looking at him, like, "Why'd you throw it?" And he's just like, like "No tickets, no ticket." And everyone like starts rifling through, holding yeah. their tickets. It's up. just one of. I remember seeing that, and I just laughed so hard. It's a brilliant scene. It is a really, 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 really... It's one of my favorite scenes. And Um, it's parodied in Dogma with Kevin Smith when he punches one of the demons and throws him off the train. And he looks around and just goes, 
No ticket. Gotcha. All right. So the Last Crusade, Temple of Doom. The reason why Temple of Doom is number two is because of freaking Kate Campshaw, because I just hate her. Um, third is Raiders, and the fourth one is Crystal Bullshit. Really? You put, even though you hate Kate Capshaw, you put two over Raiders? I really like the interaction that Indy has with um, Short Round and like the sacrifice that he does. And I just like the plot a little bit more in the second one. I, and plus, it, I didn't mind the third one, but it just wasn't like... I guess it didn't like grabbed me the first time I watched it. Like after a few times, I understood it a little bit more. So for me, it was just as a kid, and, and I'm watching it as a, from my view from as a child. It was more the aesthetics and the action. There was more action in the last two compared to the first one. See, I think when I was younger, I would have put the second one up higher because of the over-the-top cartoony reactions that Kate Capshaw has to certain things. Yeah. Like, um, when they're eating dinner with the Maharaja, and it's like, ah, dessert, chilled monkey brains. And she just, like, passes out, and it's like, it's so ridiculous. It's like, oh, can I just have some soup instead? And it's, like, full of beetles. (laughs) Like, everything that they serve her is, like, you know, what they would eat, you know, fried snake and, like, beetle soup and chilled monkey brains. And she's, like, freaking out. And it, but it's like over the top ridiculous. Like you watch it as an adult, it's like, yeah. oh my god, she's so goddamn aggravating. Yeah. So for me, that's what makes it third. Yeah. Um, and I have a really hard time parsing the first two because there are a lot of fantastic um, elements of the first one. Where it's like you really get into this character and you see how cool he is and then you see the difference between him, you know, the adventurer and him, the archaeology professor. Mm -hmm. And you can see how different those two personalities are and how he's able to separate them. The third one, however, has, you know, some really great humor. Like when they're, you know, trying to break through the floor of the library in Italy. And every time he smashes the, uh, the thing onto the ground... It's like at the same time the librarian is stamping a book. Mm-hmm. So it's just like every time he stamps the book, there's this huge clang. And the guy's like looking at his <laughs> he's looking at a stamp and he's looking at the book and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Because yeah. he's like 150 years old. You know, then like the rats and then, you know, the methane pockets and the great line where he uh, he grabs uh, Elsa and he's got her around the throat. He goes, all I have to do is squeeze. And she says, all I have to do is scream. And they're in the middle of this huge Nazi rally. Mm-hmm. And, like, he bumps into Hitler. Uh, yeah. And, like, he turns around and it's just, like, he's dressed as a Nazi officer, you know, to blend in. And Hitler, like, autographs his dad's, like, holy grail diary that, like, the <laughs> Nazis have been after the entire movie. See, the first time I saw that, I didn't realize when it was taking place. Mm-hmm. So I was like... Where the hell are they that, like, they're seeing Hitler? Because I'm thinking it's taking place in the late 80s, early 90s. I'm like, this is crazy. He just ran into Hitler and, like, we're not going to discuss this plot point. Like, I got really confused because I was only kind of half paying attention because me and my friends were screwing around in the back of the room when we should have been watching the movie. So, I don't know. But, but yeah, that's that's the impression that I get from from, uh, 
those films. And so, I really, what is the rank? You didn't really. Well, I just said one, and I can't. I can't differentiate between the the. They got to be tied for first, and then the other two are tied for last. So, <laughs> I mean, no, no, that's not fair. That's not fair to Temple of Doom. To Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom does have some awesome parts, like the guy getting his heart pulled out, but like still being alive. Like yeah. that shit's crazy. The voodoo scenes, mm-hmm. any of the voodoo scenes, the guy in the rock crusher, like, and the fucking minecart. Like the minecart is one of the, the minecart is one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema. Wolfie, I know you've seen Indiana Jones, and you know I, I'm sure you agree that's one of the best scenes uh, that's ever been put to film. You know that minecart chase. Um, I mean, it's good. I don't know if I go that far. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but I, w- I don't think I go that far. Well, you know, for its time, I think it was really good. But I love it. That's one of my favorite ever. You know, then the the crocodiles and everything. Yeah, it's it's a really good really good film then you get to see how jacked harrison ford is because his shirt's all ripped and he's just oh, like i've got yes. a sword and then the sword versus gunfight in the first film mm-hmm. when the dude's waving his sword around i was just gonna talk about that one <laughs> hold on let me talk about all that right go one. ahead go ahead so in the first one where harrison ford is getting chased harrison ford actually had really bad diarrhea that day he had dysentery yeah he was like you know, really having a hard time. So he talked to um, Steven Spielberg, and he's like, Can, you know, we just cut this short. So instead of, like, fighting the guy with the sword, he just shoots the guy in the crowd and just runs off, which is just hilarious. Yeah, like, the guy's sitting there, and he's, like, waving his sword all around and, like, trying to show how great he is. And Har- you can tell Harrison is, like, not feeling well. Because, like, he doesn't look good in this picture, in this yeah. in this specific scene. He just pulls out his gun and shoots him, <laughs> like... And they tried doing that again in Temple of Doom. He, like, reaches for his gun, but his gun's gone. Oh, uh, yep. Yep. Uh, and there's a great standoff. The standoff on the bridge is phenomenal. Like, it's... I mean, I can't say enough good things about this film. Um, but I think, uh, Ashes, unless you've got anything else you want to add, uh, I think we'll go ahead and bring the, uh, the... Go see it. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. All four films. Um, you don't just have to watch see the, the three films unless you're a completionist like I am. And no, don't you know. do it. But uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll go to break. We'll come back. We have a new battle coming up. We have uh, some science and some wine, and uh, we will catch you right after this. Hello, 
This is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. Final segment. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that discussion about Henry Jones Jr. And uh, I do hope that uh, if you haven't gotten to see any of the films, that uh, maybe our our discussion will inspire you to get out there and check these things out because they are well worth it. If you want to see a young Harrison Ford running around punching Nazis, uh, I think that's. Uh, something in the current political climate that we can all agree on. Well, I mean, I would say mo- most people can agree on punching Nazis is a, is a good thing. But these are like legit, like, 1930s and 40s Nazis. So, a uh, little different than what we got today. But, uh, so, Agent Nicole, your, uh, your files are on hiatus. Yep. Because uh, you're too busy cramming your brain full of uh, all kinds of uh, things with stuff. Stuff and things. Yep. But before we do anything, we have a battle. We do have a battle. Ashes, are you ready? For I'm this still gem? ready. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Three, two, one. Okay. One, two, three. Uh, wait, don't. Yep. Shut up. Just, just shut up. Stop. Shut up. Stop. Shut up. Just stop. Okay, three, three, two, one. It's a motherfucking throwdown. Oh yeah! Ow! And this week it could be nothing, uh, nothing other than uh, Indiana Jones versus Han Solo. And um, this is going to be a uh, fist fight in the warehouse where they keep uh, where they keep the the. The, uh, all the different artifacts, including the Ark of the Covenant, where it is being uh, worked on by top men. And inside uh, inside the hangar is also uh, the Millennium Falcon. And Han is trying to get the Falcon back. And Indy is trying to get an artifact from the Falcon. So they're having a battle. So who wins? You know, hand-to-hand, no guns, no blasters, just hand-to-hand, charging around, no sidekicks, you know, you know, Chewie's off in the corner, snuggling with Short Round, they're having a nap, <laughs> they're all just so uh, comfy cozy, like, and he's like a big... Uh, Teddy bear. Yeah, he's like a big... Uh, oh my god, could you Ewok. imagine, like, snuggling with Chewbacca? I have... I mean, like, I can kind of imagine what it's like, It is. Patrick's kind of furry. <laughs> But I know someone who does a cosplay of Chewbacca, and oh my god! Is it Peter Mayhew? Really? No, it's not. 
but holy shit it is comfy yeah. but i'm i'm sure i'm it's, sure it's super hot though yeah yeah it's, not hot as in sexy hot as in like oh my god i'm dying temperature hot so like did this person make the costume that like, i don't know maybe they got their uh garment from ikea because that's apparently how uh game of thrones outfits got i like, read that that's, <laughs> that's where their furs come from their yeah, ikea from the, carpets the night watches uh robes and shiz from ikea so maybe that's where chewy got his outfit from ikea yeah most likely that's where he got that belt mm-hmm. like the one thing that he wears so, with that, uh, we want you to come vote. going to be uh, available on the uh, Facebook group. I'll throw that up on Twitter. Uh, tell us what you think, if you have any, any thoughts on it. Um, I know where I'm going to go, I think. But uh, I, haven't, I haven't made up my mind exactly. So, uh, in that vein, I think what we're going to do next, because we're not doing our science... Our, uh, Agent Nicole Files, I think what we should do instead is our science fact. From the blackness of space, timeless from the void, you terrified to learn of Patsy's science facts. <laughs> so today's science fact actually comes from uh, somebody I know as a uh, a lot of folks out in the audience know I used to work for a boarding school, and uh, you know there were a lot of different uh, folks that I met through that boarding school, and one of them uh, just released a. Uh, I don't know how recently it was released, but it, there was a uh, paradox. It's known as the submarine paradox, also known as Supley's paradox. It's in relative. I'm sorry, I almost screwed up that name, that word. In relativistic physics, Supley's paradox arises when considering the buoyant force exerted on a relativistic bullet, or in a submarine, immersed in a fluid uh, subject to an ambient gravitational field. So basically, you know, water, you know, on Earth, you know, or in another. Uh, like, say, uh, Europa should have water on it, but the gravity is going to be different. The bullet has neutral buoyancy when it is at rest in a perfect fluid, and then it is launched with a relativistic speed. Observers at rest within the fluid would conclude that the bullet should sink since its density will increase due to the Lorentz contraction effect. On the other hand, uh, if in the bullet proper, uh, if it is... Hold on. Frame that it's moving. Uh, the fluid is mo- the moving fluid that it's in becomes denser than the bullet itself. The bullet should float, but the bullet cannot sink in one frame and float in another. So there's a paradox situation. I uh, I really think I butchered that definition, but basically saying, you know, observing something going through the water, be it a, a t- a bullet or a submarine if the water is you know denser than the object going through the water then it should float but if it's not then it should sink but it can't do both at the same time like it's it's a weird paradox paradoxes tend to be really 
complicated. I really don't think I'm doing this justice. I'm really, I'm really not. Uh, however, there is uh, the application of this. Um, the uh, relativistic buoyancy effects could be important in some questions regarding the thermodynamics of black holes, which I thought was really interesting because we really don't know much about black holes. And so this can uh, help us learn more about what's going on with black holes. So hopefully you're slightly more confused than you were before I started saying all this. Um, but uh, I think that's enough for my science fact. I think we'll move on to uh, the Von Nightmare Vineyards. I just thought of something (laughs) from black holes to blackouts. (laughs) There you go. That'd be a good segue in between the two segments. (laughs) So today I am talking about a wine. Shocker, I know. um, That I've actually mentioned a few times on the show before. Something that I use in a lot of my wine-based recipes because it is so versatile. However, I've never actually featured the wine itself in my Von Nightmare Vineyard section. So I decided that it was time to give this wine its proper due. I am talking about Reunite's Lambrusso. I love this wine. It is from Italy. You can get it for, I want to say like $10 or less for like the big bottles, or as I call it, an ashes-sized bottle. (laughs) Um, So Lambrusso is light and refreshing with bright flavors of juicy berries and dark cherry. It is soft with a lively finish. It pairs best with pizza, pasta, barbecue, cured meats and cheeses, and even spicy cuisine like Mexican Thai and Indian dishes. Uh, It's best if you serve it chilled because it is on the sweeter end of the wine, uh, wine spectrum. However, it's not overly sweet. Uh, Or you could just drink it by itself. Um, I kind of sometimes we'll drink it as a dessert wine I and like sweet wine it's very good it's something that see patsy really likes the dessert wines the mm-hmm. sweeter wines the fruitier wines and i like my dry reds my merlots my cabs my pinot noirs um so it's kind of a happy medium between the two. Yeah. It, and it's sparkling as well. Ooh. So which I really like. That's one of the reasons why I like to use it in a lot of my recipes because it's not so sweet um, right off the bat. Like a Moscato is typically even like a red Moscato. It's of the sweeter wines. Um, Lambrusso is not so sweet like right off the bat. So you can do more with it, you know, as uh, use it in sangrias or slushes or whatever else have you so yeah the brand is called reunite the wine itself is called lambrusso it is a really awesome red so uh yeah check it out and uh i think that's just gonna about wrap it up for us um 
we do have a uh, another uh, upcoming movie podcast subject because, as uh, a lot of you folks know, Stephen King's It is going to be entering theaters shortly. And so we are going to have a couple of folks on, hopefully. It hasn't been 100% confirmed. It's about 75 80% confirmed. So I don't want to say who it is yet. We will announce prior to recording. But uh, we're going to have a couple of folks on, and we're going to talk about Pennywise, and we're going to talk about the Losers Club in uh, preparation for, uh, for Stephen King's It coming to theaters on September 8th, 8th or 9th. It depends on if you go to premiere or whatever. The, the the beginning of September. So shortly after we uh, after we record the episode. So if you're not familiar, hopefully you'll be able to get familiar. And uh, I think on that note, I think we will see you next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>